Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, good afternoon, depending where you are, um, on which coast. It is August 16th, and we are here for our um, fabulous advice-giving blog talk radio show. I am <laughs> Ursula Pottinger from Beer Buff Leadership, and I'm here with my best buddy, friend, um, co-host, and also my uh, our you know our co-founded business partner, Anne Betts. So, hello, Anne. Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Ursula. And I want to say, we're, and we'll tell you why we're laughing in a minute, but I also want to say hi to wherever you are in the world. And if you're listening to this on a recording, and we, we love our overseas visitors and participants and all of that. And I think we're laughing when we say advice because we're just like sitting here. If you can see us, it's like Gollum in the in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, it's just like, oh, my precious, we get to give advice. We're just rubbing our hands. This is so fun. <laughs> yeah, it is It is wonderful. And so we have asked our uh, colleagues to send us um, specific um, questions, uh, challenges that they have and that they have found in their uh, coaching practice, uh, practice and in the interaction with their clients. And we have specifically um, made a point to uh, obviously have no names and no connection to anything that would uh, identify this person with, with anybody. So we want to make sure that you all know that this is under a total anonymity <laughs> cloak of secrecy and if you're calling in we'll have time in a little while if you've got a question or a specific situation we're asking not for generalities because from a neuroscience perspective you know someone wanted you know i put this out on facebook and somebody very i think very you know in a cool way you know emailed in oh i want neuro insight on the shift well you know, it could be from a neuroscience perspective. It could be how people shift would so depend on, you know, how the, what in what particular way they are manifesting what's going on with their brain. So we can only really kind of give advice when we get a little bit of information usually about the person and then we can, you know, give you some uh, thoughts about what might be going on there and what might be helpful because you as the coach ultimately know best and the client knows best of all. Well, and, uh, you know, to your, and, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, to your point, and, you know, the brain is uh, so complicated and so layered. I think even with uh, the advice to the questions that we have, it could be one or it could be this or it could be that even. So, right. you know, it's, um, the brain is just not that straightforward. So we will do our best <laughs> no. to give you our perspective. <laughs> yeah, and so I want to jump in and and give you our first question, um, which was kind of the inspiration for this show, was one of um, my friends who had asked for some advice about a client. And, um, and what this coach said is that they had a client who shared a story of a past trauma that they remembered after a coaching session. And what my friend wanted to know, my colleague wanted to know was, well, you know, huh, when do I recommend therapy? And is any time that trauma or any sort of emotional pain rears its head, do we need to back off as coaches? And so we had a good conversation about that. And Ursula and I definitely have some thoughts 
about um, about that. So uh, let's go there. Yes. Let's talk about the traumatized client or whether they were traumatized or not. Should I just keep going for a minute here, Ursula? Yeah, just keep going. And, uh, you know, okay. because you and I sort of uh, put our heads together and uh, sort of co- contemplated that, and I, I really are in in agreement with that. So you get get us started, and then I'll put okay. in my, my five cents um, as I see it. Well, when I talked to this coach, what be quickly became clear, and again, this goes back to what we were saying and not in having specifics and not generalities, is and this goes to a big uh, rule that Ursula and I, I think, have in terms of neuroscience coaching and our thinking around when trauma comes up or emotional pain comes up, that, that, that the first question that I asked my colleague was, was the person lost in the trauma? Had it come back as, you know, excuse the language, but sort of like as a flashback. Did it did it re-trigger them? Were they unable to focus or concentrate? Was the trauma kind of, you know, like um, coming back in and taking them over? Because that's when I might point to this is beyond my expertise as a coach. And the distinction, and this happened to be the case with this particular person, was no. They just remembered it. And so... Here's, our, here's what we want to um, illuminate for you. The difference between when someone is looking at something from what the Buddhists would call observer mind, we would call um, not being subject to it or actually being able to access the higher brain, the prefrontal cortex. And if they can access this kind of, we'll talk more about what that is in a moment, but if they can access this place where they're looking at it, not completely um, uh, subsumed by it or washed over by all the emotions, but able to notice them, talk about them, um, be curious about them, experience them, but not get lost in them, then I think you've got a great, you know, great things to explore in coaching. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, it, this is really an interesting, um, I think this is a very interesting question on so many levels because I have uh, seen that m- many of my clients actually uh, bring up, oh, you know, I remember that, you know, when, it, that actually happens quite a lot and it's often more just a story to ilum- illuminate also what has just happened and they mm-hmm. really are able to look at it from this uh, curious place where are, and they, they are able to analyze it analyze it yes. sort of also more logically rather than going into a very uh, like this very emotional place of you know potentially crying or being angry um there is a different quality to their um um their perspective on this uh, story and this this challenge that is when and, when they're really lost in it yeah and and even and just even pull that apart more i love what you're saying i just want to build on it that you can even have a client who's crying or angry but is able to um, in a way, it's almost like they're in two places at the same time. They're present mm-hmm. to what's going on versus lost in it. So what we're looking for is the, the 
activation of what we know is one of the later parts, the latest part of the brain to develop. It's in the front of your head, therefore called the prefrontal cortex, and it's kind of, you know, a lot of people refer to this as executive functioning or the higher level functioning of the brain. And that's what we're wanting is the upper brain to be on what we call online, to be able to be present to it, even if there are emotions also getting processed, processed, um, and they're noticing body sensations. And in fact, what we think is that's great because what's happening is you're creating integrative fibers. In other words, you're creating integration. So when I'm saying, you know, I start crying about something and the coach is able to say, what are the tears about it? I'm saying, wow, I'm just realizing this relationship with my boss that's so frustrating so reminds me of things that happened with my mother. And I'm there and I'm present to it. But I'm not just a, you know, a, a big mess you know, permanently, maybe I'm a mess for a little bit. I'm like, you know, overwhelmed for a little bit, but can I get my higher brain back online to be able to explore this, to be able to be present to it, to be able to look at it, to make meaning of it, to um, become more aware of it. And then what we've got is really strands of neural connections between our higher brain and our lower, more emotional limbic system, which includes the amygdala. Does that make sense as you understand it, Ursula? That, uh, that, that's beautifully, yeah, beautifully said and, and, and very clear. There is, um, um, I want to add something here, which I think is really important in coaching. You know, when we ask our, clash, our clients um, these powerful questions, just like you did, well, you know, what does it remind you of, you know, as, it, as you were giving this example, and the client being able to say, well, it reminds me of, you know, my relationship with, you know, my mother, my father, whoever, that really, these powerful questions really actually help our clients to um, be more in an observer mind, to have their prefrontal cortex be more activated. And I think clients that that can do that have to some degree uh, healed or come to terms with this trauma. I I don't know if a client that's really totally and completely in it and, and a really basically stuck again in this this really traumatic situation, I am not sure that they could even answer the question, uh, you know, what does yeah. it remind you of and what does it feel like in, in your body? So I, I always find that when clients have, um, have difficulty answering a question um, in, with, with insight and wisdom, then I know there's something not, there's still, still something going on there that's not quite healed. Right. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we never do any of that, but I think about, um, and none of this is, you know, we're not saying we're the only ones who's ever thought of this. I think a lot of really experienced coaches, you know this already, but, you know, am I getting, you know, the other trick for me or, um, sort of lens that I look through when I think about do I need to refer them to therapy is am I getting any traction? It's like are they making the connections and are the connections staying? Like, oh, I get it. This is my pattern. 
This is what I do. I give my power away. Oh, man, that hurts. I'm crying because, shit, I just did it again. And just uh-huh. like I gave my power away in my family. Wow. And I'm, and it's almost like you can see those, those neural connections become like stepping stones for forward movement, which is different from just sort of like I think about a person who just sort of is drowning in the emotion and they bob their head up for a moment and they can kind of see land, but then they go back under. And that uh-huh. may be beyond, some of that is probably beyond what most of us are really trained and qualified to work with. And in that case, um, if they just consistently get lost in it, then I think it's good a good idea to refer it out. Um, but if we said we'll never deal with any past traumatic incidents and, you know, all of that, um, I'm thinking of like the, if you have never seen it, you need to Google Bob Newhart, stop it. Because, it, you know, this is a, his joke of what it is to be a therapist. And he just keeps saying, oh, we don't go there. And I don't know <laughs> as coaches that we want to just say, oh, I'm sorry, pain from your childhood, you know, that, re, you know, that you're remembering as you think about this current story, we don't go there. Um, how, the question is, how do we go there in a way that has integrity with our profession and keep the forward movement? Um, but if we say we would never deal with any emotional pain that's only for therapists, well, you know, I'm sorry, the human race, we've all been wounded. You know, forget it. You're just going to have to give up as a coach if you never should deal with any of this. Well, and what I'm also hearing you say, and and, and this is uh, this is absolutely true, is you know does this happen over periods of time, over multiple coaching uh, sessions, or is it yeah. just a one-time, like a one-time occurrence? And I think uh, there is there is some wisdom and some information there that uh, g- gives the coach also some some insight of what might be going on with with his client's life. Yeah, I think that that's, these are all really good good questions to look at. But, um, yeah. you know, I wanted to say one other thing. In, in some coaching schools, we learn how to do deep, deep work um, at the Coaches Training Institute where Ursula and I are trained. We call that process coaching. Um, and there are others, and there's a Process Coaching Institute and um, things like that and other sure names for it. And it's a place of helping people get deeply connected to um, their emotions. And Uh I often Uh find, you know, I used to do beginning coach training, and people, um, not everyone, but occasionally, you know, I'd have a student who would get a little freaked out by this, sort of like, oh, my God, process coaching. I'm going to uncover all these emotions, and what if it's the end of the call, and I'm going to get them into this thing, and I can't get, and I, you know, oh, my God, I need to get them out of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. My, what I would tell them and what I also just want to underline here is, no, what you're, you don't have them in it, like a re, re-experiencing the trauma. You, if you're doing it at all competently, you've actually got them in their prefrontal cortex, as Ursula said, answering these questions, observing mm-hmm. it, noticing it. So, therefore, if they don't come to a big resolution by the end of the call, that's fine. You just put them in this place where they can observe themselves, and there's no re there's no re traumatizing there, as I believe, as long as you've got them in this um, observer mind place. So, uh, and I don't think, worry and so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I yeah, think it's 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 worth for it, it's worthwhile for a coach to actually uh, say it 
it's it's to look it's mm. to comfort them in some way by saying we're just looking at it now. We're just we're we're wanting to just observe it now, even if the uh, the coach does not have the language for the neuroscience. It's to help the client see. Or oh, when I'm not going to bring you back in it, we are yeah. looking at it from this place of yeah. curiosity. So don't worry about it. Let's just look at it. Yeah. And what we know from, um, you know, I think Dan Siegel, one of our teachers and heroes, says this really well, that part of what can really help people heal is helping them find a story they can live with. In other words, create meaning. And you can't create meaning unless you are in that more prefrontal cortex. So, Yes, absolutely. Let's go to the next one, shall we? Yeah, let's see what else we've got on our plate. Pick pick one. It doesn't have to be the next one. Pick one of the other questions, Ursula. What have we got? What's, what's intriguing to you? Um, well, it, it is actually the next one that's intriguing me because okay. it actually does remind me of a client um, that I have. Um, uh, so it's so, so the gist of this question is um, there's, this person has a client that um, has resigned a job and is really looking at um, wanting to um, really look at work that is in alignment with his life purpose, his or her life purpose. And, you know, even though um, this is not perfect, it requires some trade-offs and some challenges, it, it, it is a challenge to step into this decision of saying, okay, I am resigning, I am moving, this is what I'm doing right now. This client comes back and say, well, maybe this is not a good decision. No, I'm really lost now. And, well, was this really the best thing I ever did? And maybe I should just go back to where I've been because at least I know (laughs) – at least I know what was there. It's sort of like at least I knew, you know, I, I, at least I knew, I mean, I'm translating now, at least yeah. I knew the evil boss I had there. Who knows what yeah. evil boss I might find in the uncertainty well, of my next, or, my next decision. Yeah, it's, the, it's the, the draw. I mean, there's a whole bunch of layers here that really point to how do we help our clients stay on the path when they're doing something courageous, and also the human desire for control, I think really comes into this one. Um, that's part yeah, of what for I control and by. for control and safety. I mean, it's really I I really find I think that one of the biggest challenges uh, I have found in my coaching practice to actually get clients to commit to coaching is that they that they intuitively know that they will be uh, pulled um, lovingly and magnetically into uncertainty because they don't have any evidences yet that whatever they're trying to change is actually going to work. And that is a really scary undertaking. Well, and you know, one of the th- yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I always, um, I, I love I love understanding the brain because it gives me much more compassion for this sort of thing that, that this person wrote about their client as well as for myself. And one of the things about the brain, sort of big picture context, is the brain is about 2 to 3% of our body weight and it takes 20 to 25% of the oxygen and calories. So I say that because 
what you need to know about your brain, what we all need to know about our brains, is that they are always looking for the easiest way. It's logical. They're looking for the way to conserve energy. And when we have done something a million times, when we have these old patterns, even if they're not what our hearts really want, they will conserve energy because they're, we've, we've developed these coping mechanisms. And we're going to talk about neuroplasticity in a minute. But basically, we've got this stuff hardwired. So he wants to go back to the old way because he knew what to expect and he had hardwired, has, I'm assuming, hardwired strategies for dealing with whatever dysfunction or lack of resonance is there. Yeah, and you you don't also don't know how many years this has been going on, and so the more uh, and the longer we do something and repeat it again and again, you know, even dealing with um, a job or a boss or whatever uh, that's that that we're not happy with, it's still a repetitive action that really creates um, a neural pathway in the brain that, as you say, Anne, becomes our natural go-to place. Absolutely. I like to think of it as, so neuroplasticity, it's a great word. Um, Our dear friend Linda Page says it is a six-syllable word for hope. It's also something that if you start telling your clients, um, here's what coaching is, it's positive neuroplasticity for sustainable change, just up your rates by at least $50. (laughs) Yes, my favorite. That's my favorite line. (laughs) (laughs) I said said that to Linda. It's a six-syllable word for, you know, 50 bucks more an hour. And she said, it's a six-syllable word for hope. But basically what it is, is the brain has the capacity to change. It wires things, but it can rewire. So if we think about our old habits, like um, I like to think coming from originally Minnesota, um, you know, big snowfalls would happen, and you know, be sitting in your house looking out and thinking, I need to get to my, I need to get to my mailbox or I need to get to my car, and there's all of this snow. And so in Minnesota, what we do is we, um, you know, you take a couple of footsteps and you go through the snow because you can't find your snow shovel. This is my metaphor again for neuroplasticity, and the first. Ten times you walk that new path through the snow, it is hard going. And this is, again, your brain wants to conserve energy. So if you think about doing a new pattern, what your brain is going to consistently tell you is, let's do the old pattern. It's easier. Let's Let's go where we've already created the path. It's easier and faster. (laughs) Faster, easier. It will take less brain energy. And in today's world, one of the hardest things for the brain in terms of energy, taking calories and your oxygen is making decisions or trying something new, being intentional about something. All of that, it's like a new pathway through the snow, and it's hard going and exhausting. So your brain is like, why are we doing this? Let's go to the old way. It's so much easier. There's a pathway there. It doesn't matter that that pathway is taking me to my neighbor's mailbox and I'm never getting to my mailbox where the, you know, all <laughs> of the good checks are. Who cares? Let's go over there. Um, because the brain is an energy hawk, and it's going to yeah. keep pointing us to that easy way and the pathways that are and- already set. Yes, absolutely. Now, the good news is that we can rewire this by consistent 
um, not only action, but also by consistent thought. So this is one of the things that I really find uh, the most interesting about your neuroplasticity, that even thinking about, you know, in this case, a better life, a job more aligned with values, a um, more creative environment or whatever it might be, just thinking about it, visualizing it, dreaming about it, creates the beginning of a new neural connection that then when reinforced by repetitive and good consistent action will really create a new pathway in the snow to the right mailbox. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And you know there's we've we've done a lot of thinking and writing and talking about neuroplasticity. If you go to my blog, yourcoachingbrain.wordpress.com, there's more there about neuroplasticity as well as the prefrontal cortex and everything we're talking about today because it is a very, very complex area. So one of the things we know is also we are pleasure-seeking young human beings. We pain-avoidant pleasure-seeking. So if we can think about new behavior that has some reward built in, that is mm-hmm. that brings us some novelty, that brings us some fun, we want to kick off some of the reward chemicals as we're looking at new um, making these new pathways in the in the snow, so it's like you're going to the mailbox and there's a chocolate bar there. Well, you know, it starts making the walk through the snow just a little less painful. And so for yeah. me, this kind of U.S. in particular, North American culture, no pain, no gain, just do it, suck it up kind of thing, is counterproductive from a neuroscience perspective. Because actually Mm -hmm. what we want is to build rewards in and keep looking for them so that the brain gets cued to my new behavior has intrinsic rewards in it. Yes. And uh, the other thing about the... uh, Absolutely, and what I'm really sort of pondering as it relates to my client um, that really also fits this this description um, is really that she has such ingrained uh, neural pathways that relate to fear and being afraid of trying something new in in form of not taking action, in form of not taking risks, but also in form of telling herself that she can't and she mm. shouldn't. Um, yeah. And it, she has really done this for probably more than 20 years, and now she's hoping to make huge changes in her life, like in six months. And I keep <laughs> saying to her, little steps, you you will not be able to go through this huge snowbank in one fell swoop. It takes little baby steps. And so this reward that you are talking about really reminds me, for me to encourage her to find more of a reward system when she does, you know, when she makes little changes rather than waiting yeah. for the big boom, the big bang. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, when we started um, discovering neuroscience and coaching, I mean, there was so much of it that is just a big yes. I mean, this is the reason why we build resonance with the client. We want to build so much resonance and so much delight that they can't help themselves but go through that snowbank, you know, eating chocolate Mm -hmm. on the way, hopefully, 
going. I'm actually curious. Do we, we have a, a one or two people on the line, and I'm curious if there's any – should we see if there's a caller question? Yes, I'm going to uh, unmute the caller and see what comes up. So, if there's yes, a question, hello. If you don't have a question, just let us know that, and we'll go on to some of our other questions. But if you do, we're happy to take it. Yes. So you are unmuted, so um, let us know what you are thinking and the question you might have. Okay, so we may not have a question on the line. Let's... um, Let's keep okay, going. Let's move then. on. Um, you know, there's a interesting question here uh, that I want to go to. I, I'm just going to read it to you because I find it so intriguing. I'd love to understand why a previously sedate client, happily discovering who they are and what they value, would suddenly introduce large, diffuse goals with short time scales. My brain is struggling to catch up. Advice or understanding <laughs> for either coach or client here would be awesome. Thank you. So, you know, we have to go back to what we said at the beginning, which is uh, first. my first answer to this is who knows? You know, like I have to talk to that person. But we came up with, as we talked about this, with a couple of different potential explanations. Um I think that's great. Happily discovering who they are and what they value. Suddenly they have large, diffuse goals. Um, but, uh, you know, you uh, yeah, I know, you and I, yeah, I, I've, I sort of, uh, you know, have been pondering this ever since we talked about this, uh, that it could be related uh, to the the right and left hemisphere. But, you know, the other thing that I am thinking is that, you know, often large diffuse goals with short timescales also speaks a little bit to um, stimulation. And I'm just sort of reflecting on this because I know I can go there. When I get bored, I I like to dream up large different yeah. goals with short timescales. And so there could be something in this that this client just um, is understimulated and needs that to actually do something. So. Well, so- We'll go there real quickly, and I think there's kind of three different things that could be happening. So we talked at the beginning about the prefrontal cortex, this higher part of our brain that we want to have connected to the emotional center. The, the, the interesting thing about this part of our brain, and again, if you look on my blog at yourcoachingbrain.wordpress.com, there's some good articles about the prefrontal cortex. This part of our brain likes to, ha- likes to be stimulated. It likes to have a certain amount of stress, but not too much. So it's got a sweet spot of excellence. And one of the things that we have seen is that um, people tend to go kind of all in, in either direction. So if you are, as Ursula said, potentially realizing, oh, my goodness, I'm a little... Bored, I'm understimulated, I don't have enough that I'm reaching for, the tendency can be to just put everything on the buffet on your plate because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. On the other side, if you are overstressed and your plate is really full, the temptation can be, and I've done this, to say, I quit, I'm not doing anything, I'm just going to go 
live in Costa Rica and do yoga on the beach, which I did in you know ten years ago. <laughs> without, without, the you, <laughs> without the yoga. Without the yoga, I would still do yoga. Um, I went horseback riding. So. Uh, because what we want, you know, we're longing for the other side. Now, what we know is that it always comes back to integration, that what you need is just the right amount in order to be at your best. We need some stimulation. So if you're overstressed, the answer is not to quit everything. The answer is to look to see how can you decrease some to bring your brain back to the center. Mm -hmm. If you imagine an upside-down horseshoe, you want to come back to center, or if you have too little stimulation, it's not to just take the whole old country buffet on your plate, but to add a few things to come to center. Otherwise, um, it's just impossible. So that could be one explanation, as Ursula said. This person could just be looking at the whole buffet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. The other thing that we were talking about, yeah, yeah, it could ahead. also be, ahead, it could also be about um, the the hemispheres. It could be that the right hemisphere, which um, sees the world slightly different from the left hemisphere, that there is something uh, that's that's something in there. So, and you want to give us a quick quick overview yeah. on the on what the hemispheres do, and then we'll we'll see whether this is a good fit. Yeah, and this sort of reminds me of a number of um, clients that I've had. Um, So here's basically the bottom line. We use both hemispheres in almost everything that we do, but they are different. They are specialized. And so if anybody tells you there's no difference and it doesn't matter, I mean, respectfully, they're wrong. Because we know this through brain people who have been brain damaged. We also know this through um, people who have strokes, things like that, that the hemispheres have different jobs. So the left hemisphere's job is structure, logic, language, details. Um, it looks at the specific thing and filters out a lot of the information that we take in in our day-to-day lives. It's like if you hold your finger in front of your face and just look at your finger, everything else goes a little fuzzy. That's how your left hemisphere sees the world. Your right hemisphere is taking in everything and really not filtering anything, and it is more in touch with direct experience. And if you hold your finger up and don't look at your finger and don't look at anything, you'll notice that you either have two fingers or everything's fuzzy and blurry, and you go to this kind of soft focus. That's how your right hemisphere is interacting with the world. The right hemisphere is the place where we are actually in touch with collaboration, cooperation, other people. The left hemisphere is kind of filtering that all out and is much more just about, okay, what do I need to do right here? The right hemisphere Mm. also gives us meaning and purpose. So Mm -hmm. I have had clients in the coaching, as they become coaches usually, usually they're coach clients, who through the process of discovering being a coach have so fallen in love with this whole area of purpose and meaning and connection and the right hemisphere is more, tends to have more connection to the emotional state, more emotions get processed on the right. And they just, it's, especially if they've come out of the corporate world, there's often kind of this like, like they stepped into this wonderful new world 
um, from this sort of dry and dusty and detail-oriented one. And it's almost like my vision is to kind of step into this new world and slam the door behind that. <laughs> and I, had a, I remember once I had a client who, um, uh, you know, was trying to get her business going but was sort of all over the place. And I said to her, like I had remembered something about her past. I said, didn't you used to like run a huge IT department? She's like, yes, but that was my old life, my old life. Now I'm free. And I'm like, no, now you have the opportunity to have both doors open. Because actually some of that stuff that you know that you've closed the door to is exactly what you need right now in order to build your business. Well, so, and that is really what yeah. we what we talk we, when we talk about neuroscience and 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 clients and ourselves. We talk a lot about brain integration, and it, yeah. I just get this wonderful uh, visual that you've just given to us, in which a brain integration is you have in as it relates to the hemispheres at least, you have both doors open. So you yeah. you know you imagine you have a you have a room that says you know left hemisphere, and you have a room that says right hemisphere, and you have both doors open, which means you can go into each of the rooms and take from there what you need so it doesn't become about large, diffuse, amazing vision in very short timescales that no, everybody knows you cannot possibly accomplish, but you can go and have a beautiful vision and a timeline that serves that vision and it really doesn't, it is not that swinging backwards and forwards and shutting the door yeah. to, you know, this right. old life that, that old life that used to live in one, in one room with the door closed. And again, we don't know with this beautiful previously sedate client if that's what's going on. It sounds like they might be standing all the way in one room or the other. And as Ursula said, sort of not using both. Um, it, my suspicion is, Coach, who submitted this, that you probably have done such a good job getting them in touch with who they are and what they value that they just mm -hmm. can't wait to put that into practice and, you know, create these amazing, this amazing new life with these huge goals. And going back to neuroplasticity as well, um, the, you know, it's always a yes and. Like, yes and, you know, let's look to see how, you know, what is um, achievable in terms of this sort of, in terms of this sort of change. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I just wanted no, to come back to um, the the uh, the stimulation part. So we have the hemispheres, and Anne's questions are uh, great advice to the coach. Um, another piece of advice, and from my side, would be is really looking at what is uh, stimulating and what is boring. What is this yeah. right yeah. right amount of stimulation that this client needs to keep on track and to keep connected to the vision, but also also take some action. So what's that what's that stimulation, either over or under stimulation or that just right zone that is a fit for the client. So that's sort of something else that I would explore potentially. Yeah, I think that sounds great. So we have one more question, which is um clients that persistently ask the question why? <laughs> why would I why would I keep up I love that. I know when I know it's working against my weight loss goals, 
why do I continue to focus on solving small, relatively insignificant problems rather than focusing on my larger goals? So <laughs> why? Why me? Why am I doing this? What's going on? Um, yeah. I, I've got one thought about it, sort of because the question is, why are these clients asking why? Because the world programs us to understand things, not experience them. Like if we understand it, if we understand it, that will solve it. And I think this is there's a fabulous, fabulous um, video. Again, a great one about neuroplasticity. And if you Google it, it's from a guy who puts out a, a video, whatever the blog equivalent of video is, video blog called Smarter Every Day. And this one's called the Backwards Bicycle. It's about, I don't know, seven or eight minutes. And one of the things he says is knowledge does not, he learned through trying to ride this very strange bicycle, learned about neuroplasticity, and he learned about that knowledge does not equal understanding. But our Mm -hmm. world tends to tell us, if I could just understand it, that would fix it. So I think that's why they ask why. What do you think, Mm. Ursula? Well, this is actually really, this is a really great point, and I love your your insight on 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 that. Um, I also find that uh, you know, and I do this. It's like like why why am I doing this when I know when I know better, and and that really uh, relates to uh, neuroplasticity. And we were talking about this in regards to the you know question num- number two, not being able to kind of stick with with something. But I really like your take on it that we want to we because I find it's about safety again if I understand why then I can fix it and there are just some things that are not so easily fixed there isn't a magic you know potion that I can give to my client and say here drink this and then all your you know all your problems shall be solved Um, so I think this why is really our desire to have this go away um, I, you know, it's yeah, it's a sort of. I have this interesting, you know, perspective right now, you know, as it relates to the changes that, that are happening in my own life, you know, and looking at my my husband who is really going through a major life major life changes, and in my own head, I I keep going. Why does it take you so long to figure this out? Why haven't you figured this out already? Yeah. And because I yeah. know if I had the answer, it would give me safety and it would give me some sense of clarity and, and security. And I but I do wanna, like your take on well, and I and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I get so excited here. I don't want to denigrate the idea of the why. So let me tell you the image that I have. I also think why tends to activate the left brain. And yes. they're so... You know, if I think about this is an insight that came to me a number of years ago, that um, a lot of academia is very focused on the why and the, the theory of things. And I think of that, so I want you to imagine that you're sitting at a loom and you want to weave a beautiful picture of your life. Well, the theory, the explanation, the data, that's all of the vertical threads. And on a loom, you you know, you lay those down. And that's what a lot of traditionally, I think hopefully academia academia is changing, at least some areas are. Traditionally, that's what academia has given us, all of these threads and and theories. Now, you don't have 
a rug. You don't have a picture. You don't have a tapestry. You just got a lot of dreads. Mm-hmm. So experience, so that goes vertically, the theory. The experience then goes horizontal. And this is mm-hmm. the trying things, doing things, reflecting on them, feeling them, understanding the emotional content. All of that are the colors of your loop. And, you know, this has been traditionally what coaching has given us. Not a lot of theory. This is also changing. But a lot of colors for the loop. And what I think is powerful is when you can weave the two together. This is part of what we do in our neuroscience and consciousness and transformational coaching program is we give you the vertical and the horizontal. Mm -hmm. Um, And you bring in a lot of your own vertical and horizontal as well. And so you get a fuller, we get a fuller tapestry of our lives, of our clients' lives. There's more to weave together there. So that's my, my other kind of like the why is not bad. It's not where the color is. And if you've ever seen a weaver, you'll see that those threads are all pretty much generally just one color. But yeah, it's almost like why is, is why is sorry, sorry, darling, didn't mean to interrupt. I'm no, I'm just saying, you know, just why saying, might not yeah, be my, why might not be the right question? Um, you know, in this case, the question it would be better to ask what does it feel like? What is a metaphor mm-hmm. for this? What is a picture for for this um, this challenge that I have? Rather than why do I keep doing what I've always been doing? Right. Right. I mean, we can analyze that until the cows come home, but it only gives us threads in one direction. But the, yep. what does it feel like when I'm accomplishing a bigger goal? Huh. Now, that's interesting. That gives us some mm-hmm. horizontal thread in there. And I'm sure that this, this coach is doing all of those great questions. And it might be coach who asked this one about the why. Um, hopefully you're listening. It could be that what you're doing also is you're, you're wrestling their left hemisphere into submission by not indulging the why and going more for the what and the how and the richness of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I yes. think we should, we should wrap this up um, and just tell folks a little bit about what's coming up for the above. Yes, let's do that. Well, we talked a little bit about um, what we do at Be Above. We have a uh, wonderful advanced coaching series for the experienced coaches that uh, are listening here. Um, and it is a wonderful um, multi-module dive uh, deeply into the brain with tons of tools and lots of fun, very experiential. Um, I will not go into the details because locations, dates, and more information can be found on our website, which is uh, beaboveleadership.com. Let me just yes, say, yes. Just, to, just to prime your brains a little bit, that we have classes this fall in Toronto, and next yep. year, starting in 2016, we'll be in Florida in the winter. What could be bad about that? Um, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. So you go on our website and take a look there, but we're doing both coasts and kind of the middle of the com- country. And if you want to jump in this fall, we still have room in our Toronto series. So take a look there. We will soon be announcing, this is actually a big deal for us, we are doing our first ever webinar starting after the first of the year. It will be an eight-session series 
on the future of coaching, something we're calling Human Consciousness Architecture. It's going to be an overview of really how to stand on the shoulders of coaching, but bring in, in a brain-friendly way, things like storytelling, advice, and teaching. And so we're really excited because we've never done an in-depth um, multiple-session webinar. And you can watch our website and Facebook for an announcement of that. Um, as I said, we'll be, we'll be announcing that in the next couple of weeks, and that will be after the first of the year. And if you are not already a recipient of our newsletter, then uh, go to our website. It's uh, on every page. There is a little uh, sign-up uh, box, and then you will receive the newest dates and location as well as well our monthly um, calls that we, that we do on various topics of neuroscience. So if you haven't done that already, go and sign up on beaboveleadership.com. Um, and... It was wonderful, uh, wonderful. Do you have anything else, sweetie? Um, I just wanted to say um, the other thing that we've got available right now, um, and there's a special on it is, and again, it's on our website, the neuroscience of the ICF competencies, a deep dive into what is the neuroscience behind professional coaching. $5 off. The code is back to school, BTS. It's our back to school special, E-Boy-T-Tom-S-Sam. Gets you five dollars off now through Labor Day. So, and that is uh, that is an ebook. So, um, you know, when you when you purchase that, uh, it will be uh, you will receive a link um, to download this ebook. Just a little heads up for those of you that are wanting to do this: the link does expire. I think it is ten hours. So, um, make sure that uh, when you uh, purchase the ebook that Anne has just talked about, and you receive the link, that you really download your ebook um, as quickly as possible, because otherwise your link will not work anymore. <laughs> it does expire. We can always renew it. I think it's more than 10 hours. I think it might be three days. But at any rate, if you have any problems, you can always email us. So, well, I love doing this show. We'll do it again, you know, in the fall um, because it's just so fun to hear what has got your attention as coaches. Yes, it was wonderful. Thanks for listening. Um, and uh, thanks, Anne, for hanging out this morning. Thanks, everybody. Um, and um, have a wonderful, wonderful day and uh, rest of the summer, um, no matter where you are in the world. So we will see you and talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.